Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. there. Okay, this is a very special episode. Welcome to Going There, Morgan. Hi, Morgan. Hello. So happy to be here. I feel like lately, because I just thought of this, we've had my like childhood bestie on Hayden, which Morgan knows Hayden. And then we have my college bestie Morgan on, which we were kind of saying before this, when you meet a friend in college your freshman year, there's just a level of bonding because you're walking through just such an unknown time of life. Obviously, we have friends who we don't keep in touch with as much from college. You and I really have stayed such good friends. And I would always consider we live across the country, but it's like, oh, Morgan, my bestie Morgan. It's just like, you know, that person so well after college. So we have my friend Morgan on today. Welcome. So happy to be here. So much maturing (laughs) happened during those early pivotal years that we got to experience together. Truly. But when you look back on our freshman year, Morgan and I were just saying we made some like not so great choices freshman year together. But do you look back on that year and think of it as that? Or do you think of it as like happy times? No, I think of freshman year as happy times, meeting so many new friends, you being one of them and the dorms. Yeah, it was so fun. All the fun things we got to do in the dorm. Yes. Happy fun memories. It is such a weird thing in life. Like you take a bunch of kids from all over different places. Yeah. You put them in a building. You live, you like pair up with some randos. Some people know each other. And then you're like, do life together. So you're like, we were talking, you're like getting pizza at midnight, doing everything together. And everyone's kind of there for it. You're like, well, everyone has to be vulnerable because we've never done this before. Yeah. You're all in the same life season, but like from such different like walks of life and places and in different places and coming from different academic things and sports and whatever. And it's such a time you're like unsure of who you are kind of. And then you're thrown in with a bunch of other people who are figuring it out. I was going to say a girl from Arkansas. You were a girl from Chicago. And then like our freshman year, you were going through a lot personally with your family. And like I was too. So I think it was the first time you're like, oh my gosh, I have to cling to this person who I really don't even know. We just both went through a lot throughout college. And so then we like followed that throughout the years. But crazy times. Got close fast. Good mems. Okay, so so Morgan, tell us about yourself. Tell us about your family, your work, and or I guess tell everyone else about yourself. So my name is Morgan. I am married to Kyle and we have one daughter, Cameron. She's seven months as of yesterday. That's crazy. She is so cute. She's probably one of the most beautiful children I've ever seen. That is her eyes so like sweet sparkle. I mean, I've only seen pictures of her. She but is so sweet. She's very cute. You guys are so sweet. So she's adopted. So I feel like I can agree with all those things. I'm like, oh, it's not like my genetics that like made this. I beautiful feel like child. I used to tell you that too. People would say that about Emerson. I'd be like, yeah, she is. Like, isn't she? Like, I didn't create her. I tell people all the time. I'm like, I think so too. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think she's beautiful. She's like the happiest, most joyful little baby. I told my husband, I was like, it's downhill from here because she's the easiest baby I've ever met naps well all the things so she's great we live in the Atlanta area we've been here for two and a half years now I work for an adoption consultant agency shout out FAC love that I've been doing that for two years it's a local company here and we work with families all across the country and I absolutely love it it's been really fun I'm glad you said that because people message me a lot and just have questions about adoption. And 
FAC and then we used one called CAC for our other two adoptions. Although like I'm sure next time we adopt, like I'll want to work with Morgan because that's also a really fun part of our story that if you could look back at our lives freshman year and so much of our lives have looked very similar now, like we've gotten to now both walk through adoptions. That has just been like another level of, oh, we understand each other to such a deep, deep level. So obviously I wish we lived closer because it's hard being far away, but I know there's certain friendships you just make it work. And honestly, sometimes I feel like I get to share more about my life with you catching up on like Marco Polo than I do friends that live in town because we just have to be more intentional about that. More intentional. My dad was just in town and he still lives in Chicago. And I was like, sometimes you get two days, but it's super quality instead of, oh, you're like seeing each other all this random time. And I really value that quality time for sure. Okay, so let's go back, not to just keep talking about our freshman year, but I think that'll be like a place to talk about your story too. But Christian was asking us to remind her how we met and I was telling her, or we started to tell her and then we wanted to save it, that we lived on the same dorm floor and you were like a catty corner across the hall from me. And I had had ankle surgery right before my freshman year. It was actually like really traumatic. And then my first week it had gotten infected. I almost went home to Arkansas. It was like this very dramatic thing. I had to like get a surgery here in Columbia. I didn't know anyone at the time here. And I was wearing like a walking boot. Tell Christian what you used to call me. <laughs> I feel like this is like not setting me up well. People are like not going to no, think highly of me. We need to hear. Okay. So also backstory, it's Rush. We're going through Rush. And you had a boot on in Rush? Yeah. Yes. Wow. Okay. Thank you, Christian, for understanding the magnitude of this. Okay. Situation. But like any girl freshman year, anyone could say, like, oh, that's a lot because yeah. a lot of girls yeah. would be like, I'm not going through a rush. I have this boot on. Right. What you call her? is obviously beautiful and sweet. Oh and we're gosh. like, that girl's beautiful. Like, it was just like one of those things where like, she's freaking beautiful. But we called her boot girl because she hobbled around in her boot. And we're like, I didn't know her name. So we're like, oh, boot girl is so pretty. Oh, it's boot girl. Didn't you have to go to the hospital like during rush? rush? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, also like in the middle of in it. rush, not everyone looks the same, but obviously there's a ton of blonde kind of. girls, a ton of like brown haired yeah. girls. You're, you're like, literally I don't know how to describe people. Yeah. yeah. You're like, honestly, pretty good description. You're well, like, there's our, only probably one boot our girl. Our dorm floor, we lived in the old school. Shout out if you went to Mizzou and you lived in Lathrop or Laws or Jones, you know, and they are now torn down, which was like so sad. We've had a community bathroom. And so you said you would see me in the bathroom and then you'd go back to your roommate and be like, oh, I saw boot girl in the bathroom. Oh, boot girl was in the bathroom. Yeah. I knew you were sweet, but I felt bad for you. Like there was like this sympathy there of, oh my gosh, everyone's like wearing wedges. She's like in a boot and like a flat. Remember the little like Tory Burch? What shoe did you wear? Tory Burch flip flops. And I feel like it impacted your rush and I felt bad. Oh, it did. And it was hot. Oh, so that's yeah. how we met. And you're like dripping. In I actually in don't boot. remember like the first time we physically talked, but. I'm imagining like in the bathroom, like, hello. Yeah. Hey, go get them. We just got close really fast. But that year, would you explain to everyone your history? You're here today to talk about chronic illness. And we've wanted to talk about this for a while because there are so many girls who, guys too, but specifically speaking to our demographic, people that walk through really unseen pain and illnesses. And I just love the way that you've processed over a long span of years, what that's like for you and your ups and downs in that. So that's kind of why we wanted to talk to you today. So would you just go ahead and share your history with your chronic illness? 
that's sweet of you to say that you've liked the way I've handled it because it's been a rocky road. I've had health problems, I mean, since infancy, starting with GI issues growing up. And then from like what I can remember in elementary school, leg pain, just super deep leg pain. Your mom kind of brushes it off. She tells the doctor, they're like, oh, she'll grow out of it, whatever. And over the years, it changed and evolved to vascular issues. My legs would be like ice cold, but dripping with sweat, rashes, super sensitive. I would miss weeks and weeks of school in elementary school. I couldn't put weight on my legs. This became kind of like an evolution of, okay, is this changing? Is this what it is now? And no doctors could put a name to it. Like all my blood work came back fine. So they're kind of just like, we'll handle it when something pops up in your blood work. But it was like very much impacting my life. And then fast forward high school time, I started getting aura migraines. So like I'd lose my vision, get these really bad migraines. And the first thing they want to check for is like a tumor. Of course, there was no tumor. It's just trial and tribulation with medications and how they can kind of get you to function day in and day out. And in college, I started having more GI symptoms again, severe fatigue, joint pain, rashes, a lot of autoimmune type symptoms. But again, none of my markers were flagging. So you start to feel crazy because all these doctors are like, what do you want me to do for you? We're trying medications. They're making you feel worse. What do you want? And I remember spending so much time crying to my mom, who was like my biggest advocate, especially before going away to college. And she's just like, my child's not okay. And I know, Samantha, like you can relate so much with your health journey, your mom having to fight for you and like having to watch you be in so much pain. In your case, like there were things that was pointing to and answers but you really just start to feel crazy. And I'm like, is my mom crazy? Are we the only two people who like don't understand what like these medical professionals are saying? To speed it up to now, it looks different, I guess, than in different seasons. I definitely still experience brain fog and fatigue, still have gut issues, rashes, which this all sounds like sad. You're like, oh, there's not this pivotal moment. We turn around and we like make whatever, but this is the life of someone with chronic illness is it is kind of just ever evolving. In the last few years, I've started to see a functional medicine doctor and I've had some more success in that area, but it's been a journey for sure. And we'll talk more about this later, but I think that's part of your story and how you've had to like wrestle with God and that there hasn't been this healing moment or even this exact diagnosis. I think I remember walking through that with you in college oh, that would be so frustrating to not have a diagnosis. At least we will get more into this, but like being able to explain to other people if you are having a hard day and have to cancel something or like you can't say, well, like I have Crohn's disease. I mean, for me, you know, like, oh, I have cancer. Of course, we will not care that you had to cancel this. But it's like you didn't really ever have something to say. And so I just remember that feeling even for you, like, oh, my gosh, that's so frustrating. Describe that to us because I first met you. We were both newlyweds. We were in a newlyweds small group. We meet you and Kyle and we're like, oh my gosh, we're in the same season of life. Let's hang. And I remember you having to cancel or change plans or just not show up. And Kyle would most likely text for you and he'd be like, hey, I'm so sorry. Like Morgan's not feeling well. We're not going to show up tonight. 
And so how does that feel? Like walk us through that experience because to this day, you are now a mother, you're in your mid to late 20s. You're like, gosh, at this point, I thought I would have something resolved. I thought I would be able to put my finger on something. But what does that feel like? Describe to us like what does it feel like to not have a solid answer and to have to continually still go through this kind of unknown? But it's like very real. For the longest time, I just wanted a diagnosis. I was like, if I just got a diagnosis, it would make it all better. And that's not the truth. But it just felt like the next most tangible thing was, okay, find out what it is and be able to go from there. And I think there's like a lot of guilt and shame involved with, especially in those early years of being a young married. And now this other person is in this journey with me who has never had any medical, like he has no idea. He's just like, what? Like he's figuring it out too. And every day is so different. And I still do sometimes feel like I'm dragging him down because when you have to cancel something last minute and understanding that person might not get it because on the outside, I look fine and healthy and whatever, but it's invisible disease. That's what chronic illness and a lot of autoimmune illnesses are. And there's definitely people in my life who over the years, they still don't get it. I'm just blatantly honest. This is what's going on. Like I don't expect everybody to perfectly understand because unless you've walked through it or walked alongside someone, it can sound like a lot of excuses. And that's like the last thing I ever would want is for people to think I'm lying or I just don't want to go to that thing. And that has even in my adult life, created some conflict and confrontation of people calling me out thinking I'm trying to like avoid something. I'm like, that's so not it. And that almost creates layers of stress and anxiety because you're like, oh my gosh, do I just push through even though I feel miserable because I don't want so-and-so? Like, There's that people-pleasing aspect. And I think as I get older, you learn more how to set proper boundaries of what you say yes to, what you say no to, what you have energy for, and just being honest and like knowing I know the truth, God knows the truth. And if whomever I'm having to disappoint right now doesn't understand that, I'm going to have to be okay with that. I have to like let go of what they think of me to an extent. I love that you say that because it actually reminds me of our conversation with Hayden about mental illness too how easy it is to, in that hard position, own someone else's response to you. And whereas Christians, we want to be loving, we want to care for others. There's also a level of we can't own that for other people. And like you said, you're like, I know my lines are my boundaries. You know, it reminds me of our conversation with Lynn Roush, our counseling conversation about boundaries. God knows these things. And what I can do is be honest and be vulnerable. But if that person can't accept that too, it convicts me also of like, how do I respond in those situations where, yeah, my feelings maybe are hurt or I feel like this friend doesn't want to hang out with me because she's bailed four times, giving the benefit of the doubt, but also entering in vulnerably and graciously too, which I think you have done incredibly. So that's really awesome to hear. Well, that's really sweet of you to say. And I've definitely over the years felt like I'm missing out on things or I'm making other people miss out on things and just realizing that's like such a lie. Jesus says like we have abundant life in him and that might mean I miss some social things. That's okay. I do think that's important to say here too, is that we're talking about our husbands both. Like if you have never struggled with any health issue, it's such a blessing that I think people take for granted. 
as people who have some sort of discomfort or pain most days. I think that other people are very ignorant to the fact that a lot of people around them could be going through things, even in the way that maybe you complain if you do have sometimes, and maybe you can speak to this too, if people are like, oh my gosh, I had the worst headache. You're like, yeah, I mean, there's grace for that too, but I think that should be eye-opening for people. Oh, there are people around me that really do struggle and hidden illnesses are just the same as if you know someone's walking through a cancer diagnosis and treatment or, okay, if a friend had a surgery, that's so much easier to bring the meals and like love on them and care for them. Or like, obviously, if they had to cancel on something like, oh, I know I'm a week out from surgery and we were going to get together tonight, but my leg's hurting. Can we reschedule? It's so easy to just be like, of course. But when there's not an end to it and when you can't plan that or when you can't see something, it's harder for people to want to have empathy. And so if you're someone that doesn't struggle with any kind of chronic illness or disease, it's like, wow, that's something you should be thanking God for every single day that you just have health. And I just think it's something that I often have to remind myself is like, okay, people, they don't know what they don't know. But let's talk a little bit. I know how this has been for you and your relationship with God, but share with everyone what that's looked like of just how you've wrestled with God and all of this. Well, first of all, I would say like, I still wrestle with God. This side of heaven, I tell myself that often we may never have a why this happens. I know God is clearly doing something in my life. Maybe I'll get to know the side of heaven. Like maybe I won't, but I've struggled with that. And in some of my sicker seasons, I mean, when we first graduated college, I didn't have a full-time job because I physically couldn't. Like I was working part-time. I'd spend like half my day in bed and just really struggled, really struggled on a day-to-day basis. And it hurt my relationship with the Lord where you'd think, oh, you lean in, you have this time to be reading, to be praying, to be studying, to be digging deeper with God. And I was just so depleted physically, emotionally, and spiritually that seasons like that ended up hurting me. Again, because chronic illness is such a roller coaster, you get a couple good days strung together and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be okay. It's going to be okay. You get wind back in your sails. You get a routine back. You're like, I want to spend time in the word again. Like you have those desires come back. And that's something too, over the course of my life, I always felt like I had to have the desire to be in the word or this is where discipline comes in, I guess is what I'm trying to say is that set those disciplines because there are a lot of days where you're not going to feel like it. Know your Bible, know the truth, know scripture, because then on days where I physically can't open my Bible, I already have it in my head and written on my heart. So there's been a lot of wrestling with God and there still is. And I think the lack of control that chronic illness takes from you is really, really hard. Where every day I have to lay my day like down at the Lord's feet. And I'm just, I don't know what this is going to look like. Like I can have these plans quite literally just for this day. It could all be ripped to shreds being okay with that. Okay, God, I'm leaning in today, every hour, every minute just to get through. And especially as a new mom, really having to lean in because I quite literally don't have the strength to like do it on my own. I need God's strength. And what about how you've processed 
okay, God, we know that God can work miracles. We know that God is a healer and wants to care for us in that way. Speak a little on that of how you've thought through, okay, I know God could take this away today. He hasn't over the years. How has that shifted your perspective of God? It's not that I had like a big angry season where I'm like, why God? I've never felt like, why haven't you healed me? I'm more like, why have I had to go through this for so long? If that makes sense. It's more been the longevity and even the accepting. I might have this my entire life still to you be the glory Lord. I think that's more where I've struggled is we have some good days. We have some bad days and not like, why haven't you healed me? But it has been hard in relationships where people a either think you're giving up because they're like, oh, you're just going to like live like this. And it's like, well, no, like I'm still pursuing trying to feel better and like be the best for God's glory and for my family. But it's also exhausting. I know, you know, there has to be balance of I'm living my life. I'm showing up for my family. I'm also pursuing answers. With all of that, obviously you have routine, you have disciplines in place that you're like, I know God's word and that's how I can recall it on the days that I don't want to recall it. But if you had to say, this is one aspect of God's character, or this is one of God's promises I like constantly lean into, what would you say in either of those areas? It could be one or several. Something that I daily struggle with is we're in a culture of busyness. How much can I do? How much can I show up? Some days are really productive for me and some days are not productive at all. And another way you and I are very similar is that we both crave feeling productive or just thinking things are in order. Going back to what you just said about control, like you and I tend to thrive off of feeling that way. That can feel really good and that can feel very, I'm in control again or... And I mean, I'm talking day to day, like this is how much God is probably like, this girl needs some stinking refining because one day I'm feeling horrible and I'm like, Lord, I laid at your feet and the next day I'm feeling great. I'm like, I got this. I'm going to do everything on everyone's to-do list. I feel like that idea of like, I have nothing to offer. I am so broken. I have nothing to offer. It's such a lie. God's like, I have equipped you with like what you need to glorify me in every season. And even if that's in a mundane way that you think is not good enough, not busy enough, not productive enough, I have given you enough. I am enough for you. Going off of that thought, the fact that I'm not alone, that season I was sharing with you guys after college where I was working part-time and really, really struggling, I would literally be online looking up my symptoms and looking if there's like a chat group that I can see like, oh my gosh, other people feel like me trying to find that community, finding other people out there. That was really hard for me. But knowing that I'm quite literally not alone, God's always by my side. He's got me. And even if there's not other physical people in my life who feel that way, God knows exactly what I'm going through. Not to bring up Hayden's episode again, but it's interesting. Both of you have like shared this same sentiment that I think is so important for any listener because maybe you're listening. Actually, my hope for this is maybe you're someone who does struggle with a chronic illness and you're like, wow, no one really ever talks about this unless it's a health podcast about chronic illness or whatever. I hope you feel seen. And then if you're listening to this and you don't struggle with this, 
I think it's so evident, same within Hayden's episode, her sharing her journey with her OCD and anxiety. We can all have these tendencies in our life to have struggles that we do hope get better or go away in some sense, or God enables us to battle more. But there are certain things in our life that, like you said, will always be our cross to bear, our hardship that we're walking through. And sometimes I think we have to shift our perspective from thinking like, God, I just need you to take this away to more of God, be with me in this, walk with me in this. I need to change my perspective. Like you said, there are certain things that we would just will not have answers to or understand or completely be rid from until the day that we die. But we can change our perspective to say, okay, Lord, we know we're all given different hardships and how can I endure well and endure in a way that's going to point people back to you? And like you said, there are seasons that we can rejoice in. Like whenever you are feeling better, it's like, let's rejoice in that. Thank you, God, for some good days and some good seasons and some healthy strides, but also not letting us look at our relationship with God in the way of like, okay, well, now I have a setback. I'm like back to square one. And so I know a lot of people that it's not chronic illness, but it's a certain like sin pattern in their life that, oh my gosh, I feel like this should be gone by now. Like, why am I still praying about this? Why am I still having to process this? And that's kind of the way of the Christian walk, the life we're promised that it just, it's not going to be easy. And there's certain things that we just have to endure, but through Christ and in him, he gives us the power. And again, though it doesn't feel as hard and heavy as it did maybe in the beginning when you're just like seeking for it to be over. You said that so well and put words to my long-windedness of, okay, God, my prayers have changed so much over the years of not like, why me? But like, walk with me, please, God. I'm in this. I'm in this as long as that is your will for me to walk through this and glorify you through it. I want to be in it with you. I can't do it without you. Samantha, you and I have been in a season, even just you and I personally have been sharing about this like gratefulness that has come over us, really trying to seek a perspective of gratitude and like really simple moments of our lives. And I think this conversation points right to that. I think the privilege and gift of what health is. And if you have never experienced maybe a chronic illness or just really hardships in your health, you don't understand what a privilege that is. And where this can, I hope this conversation catapults us all into sitting in a perspective and attitude of gratefulness all the time, that even as we raise our children, or even as you sit there I mean, honestly, like a miracle that you, Morgan, have a perspective that you say like, no, like God, like you will give me my daily bread every single day. Even if that's just a few crumbs, then you have ordained that I only need a few crumbs today. And the best I'm going to do is sit on the floor with my seven month old and literally meet her every need, maybe small needs, maybe big needs, but that's all I can get done today. I'm not going to be able to do the dishes. I'm not going to be able to clean our house. I'm going to have to tell my husband, hey, like I got nothing done that you wanted me to get done around that. You know, like all these little things. And then some days he's going to say, hey, here's a whole loaf. And you can say that I trust that with his sovereignty and gift of that loaf to me, then I can do a lot today for him. Can go and on I a can run. do that. Yeah, <laughs> I can go on a run. I can take a meal to a friend. I can show up and go to that coffee lunch with that new girl that I met at church. Like those are the things that you're like every day is a gift. And I think that's a miracle of a perspective. Because I think of all the opportunities we have as Christians to say, no, like 
genuinely we believe that God will give us exactly what we need, exactly when we need it. And like you said, he is already all that we need. And so he is the one to gift us that. And how quickly we flip that around and say like, gosh, I'm just not doing what I know I should be doing or I can't do it. It's like, no, he's already given us exactly what we need. And I just love that perspective you have. And I think that's a good reminder for like all situations in life, which is like very, very convicting and good. That's so good. Something I thought of as you were saying that our culture... A lot's going on in our culture, a lot of lies that are fed to us. But I think one big one that I actually haven't really thought of a ton until right now is just this lie that like we deserve the most optimal, healthy life. And like we have a lot of access to things now that can grant us that. Oh, you're hurting? Take a medication. You don't feel good? Well, try this drink. There's so many things. Put this oil on. Do this workout. You can achieve your best version of your healthiest, almost supernatural healthy body. And I think that can be hard as someone who has to humble themselves and say like, no, I get it. And I know you have this too of like when people are like, well, have you ever tried? Or like, have you ever thought about oh, it? It's like, yeah, story of my life. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> been there, done it, done whatever weird oil you're telling me about. Because even as people, we want to offer a solution and be able to fix it. Like we do live in a society that's like, if there's a problem, fix it. Even if it's something else like, oh, if you struggle with this, go get on medication or like go to a counselor, like there's a way out. And so sometimes I think it's really humbling. And the posture God wants us to take is just sitting at his feet saying like, I'm not actually trying to fix this right now. Like I'm just trying to endure it with you. And so I think wrapping that back up, it's just hard to when the culture is like shooting at you like, wait, you haven't tried this fix for it. What are you thinking? There's something you could do about that the health and wellness space, especially today, and especially with social media, like we have all these health influencers and wellness influencers, and you see a lot of people eating clean and it like genuinely changing their life. Symptoms are clearing up or whatever. And although I have made lifestyle changes that have helped me some, that wasn't my healing moment. And some people like really struggle understanding that oh, well, you're just like not doing enough. And that creates that whole re-lack of control and striving. And I definitely went there where I clung to, well, if my diet's just perfect, I'm going to be okay. And that just like wasn't the case for me. And we idolize health. And I've seen this actually happen in a friend's life right now who I think we unknowingly idolize health because like we were saying, if you've never struggled, you just don't even realize how much of a blessing that is. And I think when then something can happen because not to be like morbid or sad, but like any of us could get a diagnosis tomorrow or have an accident or walk through something that totally changes the way that our body functions day to day. I think then people can really struggle because that's been such an idol. I mean, there's a lot of things we place as idols, but it's just an easy one to think I deserve to feel my best, healthiest self today. But the reality is you're not promised that. So we have to keep that in mind when we're going day by day with all of these things we can grab at. We love talking about the tension here on going there. Such a tension. Yeah. Yes. Because really, we've had the same conversation about aging. We've talked about the obsession of health. We all expect to feel 25 our entire lives. And it's like, no, that's actually not true at all. There's a lot of wisdom that comes with age. And think about all the money and time we spend on just looking at our best self and feeling our best self. Again, there's a balance to that of like, we are supposed to steward these bodies well physically. But then how do you not become obsessed and feel a sense of control there that we don't have control in? expect to and deserve to like people think we deserve 
For sure. So Morgan, kind of wrap us up there. Obviously, you have walked now your entire life in this struggle and are continuing to live that out. But what has this experience for you of your chronic illness just given you the perspective of how to love and care and share empathy with others in a different way? Talk us through what that's looked like for you. I think in ways I haven't even expected, we as Christians are like called to be joyful. And that's another thing I've really struggled with because God has highlighted a lot of sin (laughs) through my chronic illness, through maybe that's like being irritable or short. You just come to the end of yourself really quickly some days. And I'm constantly daily humbled and reminded by that. But I really struggled for a while thinking being joyful meant I had to be like fake, shiny, happy all the time. And I think in a lot of ways going through this has helped me understand just people at different places in their life. Obviously, people walking through hard seasons, sufferings of any kind, invisible or visible, but even just people's attitudes, understanding there are so many layers of things that are going on underneath everyone's surface. And this is one of mine. And so on that day that I'm like, I just can't, the day you just like want to rip your hair out or you're short with your husband or whatever, having grace for people and even having more grace for my husband when he's having that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I lose it just like that because like I'm not feeling well. I'm like, he's going through stuff too. And back to what you were saying earlier, Samantha, about it's hard sometimes when people are like, oh, I have a headache or whatever. I feel like I have so much grace and like empathy for people who don't realize that their headache is like a blessing to like maybe what you or I might feel on a given day, but that everyone's suffering is still suffering. Suffering to every person and what they're walking through is still hard, but it makes you long and hope for heaven so much more. And that's just something in the last even couple of years that I'm like, this isn't like my home. It's just a reminder, like our bodies are broken and we were not made for here. Life's going to go by fast. We get to be with Jesus and not be in pain and suffering anymore. That'll be a good day. Good day. (laughs) Amen. This is something I've also had to learn is someone else's heart is still hard. If it doesn't look like the way my heart does, it's still hard for them. And so, yeah, growing in that empathy, I keep going back lately to just how would I want others to respond to me in my hardship, big or small? Because we're all human. And some days, even though I can have some bigger things in my life, my perspective will be switched. And Justin and I use like a scale. Like, is this really a 10? Because you're acting like this is a 10, but it's really probably a two. I can have my reactions out of whack as well about little things. And so, yeah, just giving people the benefit of the doubt, giving people grace in that, remembering too that it's not a comparison of hardships as well. For sure. And walking alongside people, there's a lot of grief and loss in this chronic illness world where, again, because on the outside, everything like looks okay. People are like, that sounds so silly. You're grieving like even the loss of sometimes your day or like what you're capable of or what you used to have energy for and you don't anymore. But just walking alongside people, like whatever they are grieving and sitting in that with Jesus and being okay to like feel it. That's so good. Morgan, I am so appreciative of your perspective and just your willingness to share. Obviously, we have walked many years alongside you all. And so we're grateful for just how God has like given you the strength and the opportunity and the gift of sharing that graciously. And so thanks for spending time with us today and sharing your story. 
Thanks for having me. I hope that some girls listening to this really do feel heard of like if it's a mental health thing or just a physical thing going on. I feel like lately, actually, a lot of friends of mine have opened up to just as we get older. I mean, things are happening. Our bodies just start to change more. And I think it just makes us more aware, like you said, that this isn't our home. These aren't our forever bodies. And we should be like really excited about that. So I hope people feel heard in this. Thank you, Morgan. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Bye, friends. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Oh,